0: Hey, my name is Colton. I'm one of the servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We hope that you can lean in and enjoy this message. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing this morning? Come on. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, this morning when I was driving to church, I was thinking about, like I normally do every morning, LeBron James. And, um, and here's why. I was thinking about how amazing LeBron was when he first got in the league. I mean, this dude was averaging 30 points 10 rebounds 10 assists 55 high fives handshakes you all remember the Cavs days but i was thinking about how amazing we thought he was right when he got in the league and then 18 years later he's still doing the same thing but it's not it's amazing but we don't really recognize it as much we almost just expect it from lebron and I thought about how often it is in our lives that we kind of just see something great, experiencing something great, something special, amazing, and then it just kind of becomes dull. We kind of just like, it's kind of expectant. But I think we have a responsibility, a duty, to really appreciate the amazing things that God has given us. And for me in my life and for this church, this home, and that is Jordan and Courtney Smucker. So can we please just give a round of applause to our, our lead pastors, Jordan and Courtney My goodness, who they are, I don't even have words to describe how much I love and care about our pastors. They are just the best, and we are so much better off because they chose to come to Columbus and plant a church. Well, before I start, this is my first ever Sunday message, so let me pray and ask God for some help like I would need any time I preach, but specifically this morning. So God, thank you so much for the moments we share. I just pray as we dive into your word that we, we really begin to understand your love in greater depths and greater lengths, and we walk out of here not with behavior modification, but a hard transformation to love the people in our life as you called us to. So we give you this time, this is your time, Lord. Use me to speak and point people to Jesus. We love you, we trust you, we honor you. It is in your name. Everybody said amen, amen. Well, a few years ago, there was a big fight, a big boxing match. You may have remembered Floyd Money Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. Um, now, I'm not a boxing fan, so don't, if, you, if you are either, don't check out just yet. Uh, but this was a big one. This was like the fight of the decade, the fight of our lifetime, and I texted my roommate at the time, Jensen, and I said, bro, we have to buy this fight. We have to invite some friends over. And so we did. We, we invited some friends over. We paid $70 for this pay-per-view fight. And so we all our friends come over to watch it, and, and none of us know a lick about boxing, right? And we bought pizza, got a whole spread, and then... Um, the fight comes on. Everybody's like, turn the music down, turn the volume up. We need to know what the announcers are saying because we don't know anything about boxing. We want to know who's winning. And it's a good idea if we turn the volume up and we don't understand a word of what's going on, right? And it's not because we don't know anything about boxing, that's true, but it's because I bought the Spanish pay-per-view version of the boxing match. And so, uh, so I have 20 of my friends just staring at the back of my head. I, I, I went through Spanish one, two, three, in high school and in college, and it did not prepare me for this moment. And so we're all just watching the fight of a decade in Espanol, not understanding what's going on. Even today, my friends are here, and they're kind of looking at me like, bro, you really blew that event. I pride myself on being a host, and I was not a good host in that moment. But what I learned from that is uh, that words really matter, and they matter when you can't understand the language they're being spoken into, but they also just matter in general. And that's what James is going to talk about in James 3, and, be, uh, and before he does, he begins, in, uh, he begins in, in James 1, foreshadowing, right? If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless i hope you brought your clothes toed shoes because james is coming to step on toes today right and there's going to be some things that might convict you and you might feel like oh remember it's not me it's james i'm just telling you what james says right and, and and so james is is really emphasizing how important our words are and we don't always understand this like when we think of sin when we talk about sin in church like big sin if i came in and was like we're talking about big sin today in your mind you're going like adultery right murder But it's so interesting, in Proverbs 6, the Bible lays out six things that God absolutely hates. And three of the six, 50%, have to do with the words that come out of our mouth. So I'm going to make the conclusion that God cares a whole lot more about the words we say than we do. And I think it's because God understands the impact of our words far greater than we do. And he's going to continue in James chapter 3. We're going to read a few verses and then dissect it together. He says, Indeed, we we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues... We would be perfect and we could also control ourselves in every way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes a grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is on fire by hell itself. People can tame all types of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame a tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison, sometimes praising our Lord and Father, sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. I love how James starts. Indeed, we all make mistakes, aka, we all suck at this. When it comes to words and the power of our tongue, we suck at this. We're no good. In fact, we can't be. We can't be perfect. So this morning, right off the bat, we're going we're gonna to let it be known that we're not talking about perfection today. We're talking about progress. We're talking about being better than we used to be at this, right? Because um, we have to be. If I can just be really honest, as the church, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have to be better at this. We have to. We're the light of the world. We better sound like the light of the world, right? And so James is letting us know, we're talking about progress today. Then he says, hey, um, the hardest part of your body to control is your tongue which I know this, and you know this, because how often have I said, how often have you said, man, I wish I could just take that back. I wish I didn't say that. How many of us say that all the time? I know I do, but it's so funny, I don't talk about that about any other body part. I don't just get mad at my legs because I walked right off the stage, because I have control of my legs, and yet my mouth and the words I say, my tongue I have a lot less control of, and I have to apologize for the things I say all the time. So James is like, hey, the tongue is really hard to control. It's also the most powerful part about you. And here lies our dilemma, right? We have the most, the hardest part of us to control is also the most powerful thing. And you know this to be true. Proverbs, I'm sorry, point one today, we're gonna talk about how words impact people. And point one today is words impact people. That's just it. Words impact people if you're taking notes. Proverbs says the tongue has power of life and death, and you know this to be the case. You can build someone up with your words, but you can also tear them down. We know this, we've experienced especially the the tearing down part. We've seen it in our culture, in our world today, all over social media. If someone posts something, an opinion they have, or a decision they've made, people just negative, 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 just criticizing, tearing down. We notice it. And we've also experienced it in our life, how words can impact us and tear us down, which is so funny because we grew up hearing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And I think we can collectively debunk that. Right? Like, I, like, words do hurt. They have hurt. The only difference between sticks and stones and the bones that have been broken, and my bones have healed. I've broken a few bones, they've healed. Yet some words have spoken to me and caused wounds that have yet to heal. So not only are we lying when we say this, we're also telling people that the power of their tongue is not as powerful as the Bible says it is. When you say that words can never harm you, what you're saying is the words aren't that powerful and we know that they are. We know that they are. I love Proverbs Keeps going. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. That is Bible for shut up, (laughs) right? Like that is like, hey, maybe don't talk right now. Maybe don't speak on that issue, right? Like I know we just call it like we see it. We like to just call things like we see them. I was like, I don't know if that's the wisest choice. We like to just say what we feel a lot, don't we? I know I do. But feelings are fleeting. And so I shouldn't just say what I feel, because I'll feel one way this moment and another way the next. My friend can offend me, and I may want to speak out in that feeling. Or, or I can speak life, even though I'm offended, even though I'm not feeling it. I'm getting my words out ahead of me. Before I feel it, I'm going to say it. And that doesn't make me fake, by the way. It makes me faithful. It doesn't make you a fake friend to say things and speak life and build people up if you don't feel like it. It makes you a faithful friend. I know we don't want fake love, but I'd rather have fake love than real hate. Like, I want to be able to speak things that I don't feel because I know the power my tongue holds. This is so interesting. Um, I listen to the Bible Project. If if you're looking for a good Bible podcast, the Bible Project's phenomenal. And what I learned this past week is in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are given, you know what's a commandments and one of them is thou shalt not take the lord's name in vain now what i remember growing up what that meant was you cannot say oh my god like ushers omg song sin like you cannot use god's name as a curse word and like i agree that's true but that's a very narrow-minded idea of what that commandment actually was here's what that means do not take the lord's name in vain when we take someone's name in our culture it's in marriage right In a covenant and so god is telling the israelites hey you're taking my name. We have a covenant. And you're taking the name Yahweh. You're carrying my name. So you should be responsible. You should represent me. If you have my name, I want you to act a certain way. And how we would use that in our culture today is if we claim to be Christ followers, we should speak like Christ followers. We should speak like Jesus. We should represent him and not take the Lord's name for carrying his name in vain. Right? So interesting. We know the power the tongue holds, and it can tear someone down, but it also can build someone up. And we need to be built up. That's why I love Ethos so much. That's why I love this family, because everyone kind of knew this, was my first Sunday message, a little nerves, right? But all my friends all night were texting me and calling me and praying over me. We need that. We need people to speak into our life when we're not feeling encouraged. We need people to build us up. And I love this, um, this study done um, on this animal. And you know what this animal is, and I know what this animal is, but I'm not saying the name of the animal because I can't. I can, it just sounds like the noise a dog makes, right? The O and the L tripped me up. I was telling some of my friends, like, hey man, I, I gotta preach on this animal, and he's like, and I can't pronounce it. He's like, well, maybe you should grow up. Maybe when you grow up, you'll be able to pronounce that. And I told him, words impact people, bro. You gotta be careful with what you say. Now, it's really interesting. This guy, these two guys live in one of their packs. And what they found out is that before they go on a hunt, one or two of these animals would stand up and they would start to howl. And what it would cause is the rest of the animals to kind of get ready for the hunt. They'd stop eating or sleeping or whatever they were doing, and they would all come together and they would all howl at once and then go on a hunt, like a huge pep rally, right? And I thought, how cool is that? But how much I want to be like that, How cool is it that these animals kind of pep each other up and they kind of like encourage one another, let's go, let's go on a hunt. And we need to be people like that. Like when you talk to your friends and your family, do they feel encouraged? Do they feel built up? Do they feel like God has the best, like the best is yet to come and he has plans and purpose for their life that they can do all things through Christ? When you speak to your friends and your family, do they feel encouraged? The power of our tongue, we can encourage, we can build up our friends. Let me say it like this, the people in your life, God loves them so much. He put you in them in their life so that you would use your power of your tongue for good to build them up. So how are you speaking to your friends and your family? I love Colossians 4, 6 6 says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in conversation, not to put them down, not to cut them out. So good. You got to be gracious in our speech. Use our speech for good. And I'll make a deal. If you help me preach this message, you talk back, let me know, encourage me here. I will say the name of the animal by the end of this and we can all laugh, all right, promise. Point number one is words impact people. Second thing words impact is words impact the future. We don't always recognize this, do we? I love I love James. He he, he um he says that. We can make a horse go wherever we want, a large horse with a small bit in its mouth. And I have no idea what that means. I'm not a horse guy. The Schistler's, if they're here watching online, you know what I'm talking about, but I don't. Maybe you can help me. But I understand the second part. He says we can make a large ship wherever we want it to go by a small rudder, even if the winds are strong. Words determine your direction. We don't always understand how impactful our words are, and we actually determine where we go with the words we say. We don't realize how impactful our words can be. Words impact the future. and so. I just think it's so interesting that we sometimes call things into existence and then we get disappointed when they exist. Like Ephesians 4.29 says, every word is a gift. And if that is true, church, we ought to only speak what we want to unwrap. Too many of us are speaking things into our life and when we unwrap them, we're disappointed. But... We've been speaking negative things about our life, we've been speaking, speaking negative things about the future, about what's to come, about the state of our church and our country, and the way the world's going, and then we're disappointed. It's like, well, you have been talking about your problems more than you've been praying to God, so it's no wonder you're stuck in that mindset, you're stuck in that way. You've got to speak to where we want to go in the future. Words determine your direction, they impact your future, Right? When I was in Atlanta, I was serving tables, and if you've ever served tables, you know this is a high-stress job, right? This is, this is, I would never do it again, so point number two is tip your servers. But um, So I would, go, I would go to a table, and I would get their order, and I'd put it in the system, and then um, I, I'd get the food out, and I'd bring the food to the table, and I would ask what all servers ask, how's everything look? Everything look okay? And it was real quiet, right? And then the mom goes, mm-mm this is not what i ordered my heart dropped because she said that but what i heard was you're not getting the tip right and and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what went wrong until one of the kids stands up and says no mom that is what you ordered that is you might have thought you ordered that but you did order this and so i just wonder are we willing to pay for what our tongue has ordered are we willing to pay for are we willing to receive what we're speaking into the future if colton if, if whoever colton is can help me close this out this morning Words impact your future, but they also impact our future collectively. They impact our future. And I know this to be the case. I've experienced this in my life, but I love this story in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Caleb, and the Israelites, they're they're getting ready to go into the Promised Land. They send 12 spies into the land of Canaan to determine if they can take it over by force. And they come back, and 10 of them have a negative report, two with a positive report. I already had it up. He said, quiet the, quiet, he quiets the people before Moses and says, let us go but once and take possession for we are, come on, say this with me, able. able. We are able to overcome it. But then the men who'd gone with him said, we're not able. We are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. What's so interesting is they both saw the same thing. They both saw the same enemy. They were both there. They both, but they came back with different reports. And so we can live and experience the same things, but have a different outlook. I lived in 2020 as well, and it sucked. One of the worst years of my life, but so often we were just so negative about everything. You meet someone like, How are you doing? Oh, it's so bad. Uh, 2020, uh, I just can't wait to get to 2021. As if a turn of a calendar was going to fix everything. We're just so negative, and I just wonder, how can we be people? we are able to overcome how can we see the same things the world sees yet speak differently about them we are able why are we able because to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask think or imagine according to his power that works within us we are able not because of my own strength but because of the strength of jesus We are able, people, to overcome whatever comes in our way. No matter the pandemic, no matter what the the election, no matter what's going on in our world, we're able to overcome. Even in death, we overcome. We are able, but so often we don't speak to that, do we? We bring out negative reports, and I've seen how impactful words can be. I've seen how they can direct our future, impact the future. I've seen it in my own life. My mom, she's here this morning, and when I was in high school and middle school, she would go in my room every morning, and she would pray, but she would pray that I would be a preacher of the gospel. She would pray that I would tell people about Jesus. Now, understand, I was not in any way following Jesus very much at all. I believed in Him, but my life was not looking like that, so she would pray that, and I wasn't living it, and when I found out that she prayed that, I still wasn't living it. And so I said some things. They say confession's good for the soul, but bad for reputation. And I was, I said some things behind my mom's back. I was like, I can't believe she's are that, right? Fast forward, what, 10 years later? And I have this opportunity today at Ethos to speak. I have pastors to empower and believe in me as well. And I just look and say, mom, you, you knew the impact your words had towards the future, so you used it. You used it in prayer, you used it to what you wanted to see, and you get to see that lived out. And I think we got to tell more stories about God's faithfulness, because I can preach James 3, and you can maybe be inspired for Monday. But when I tell you the stories of of God's goodness and faithfulness that's happened in my life, it changes from just words on a page to faith lived out, and you begin to believe if He did it for me, if He did it for him, He could do it for me. We had to tell stories of God's goodness and faithfulness, church. It it brings out faith in others. Another story, it's why I asked my friend, one of my best friends, my brother, Colton, to come up here. Because I'm not done, I'm not ready to close just yet, but I wanted him to be here for this story. When I met Colton, I was at an interest meeting at Ethos, trying to determine if this was going to be my church. And I met him, and we didn't know each other's names yet. And he said, hey bro, where are you from? I said, Hilliard. He said, no way, dude, I'm from Canton, but I know someone from Hilliard. I doubt you know them. Their last name is the Zimmermans. And I was like, hold on, you're talking about like Zach, Hannah, Mallory, Olivia, like those Zimmermans? He's like, yes, I said, that's crazy. They're my next door neighbors. He said, hold on, bro, is your name Weston? I said, how, how would you possibly know my name is Weston? He said, cause I used to come and visit them and we play basketball and kickball in the street with you. And I remember you, I remember your name. We know each other. No way, I go home and tell my mom. She's like, yeah, I was just texting his mom the other day. What's happening? And I, and I began to think about that story, and I asked Jordan and Courtney, I said, what are some things that you guys prayed about, Ethos, before you launched it? Before you moved to Columbus, what are some things you were speaking into, Ethos? And Jordan said, the court would always say we'd be a church that builds bigger tables, not higher walls. We'd be a church that prioritizes family. We'd be, we'd be a church that you can't just sneak in and sneak out of. No, this is going to be a, a place that you are known. And then I look at my friendship that I get to serve with him, one of my best friends. And I'm like, Courtney, what you didn't understand is as you were saying that God was taking your words as seeds and he was planting them and he was forming relationships and forming brotherhood and forming families well before you even knew it. Our words impact the future. You ought to speak what you want to see. Words impact people and they impact the future. And lastly, words impact you. If you're taking notes, maybe just write your name. Words impact Weston. James talks about how you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. And then Jesus says in Matthew 15, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Oh little bathroom humor from Jesus. A little gross, but it's high. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. If you have a hard time speaking encouragement and building people up, if you're having a hard time speaking into the future, positive, we are able thoughts, you might not have a word problem. You might not have a problem with the power of your tongue. You might have a heart problem. Jesus says your words actually reveal what's inside and you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. You can't draw life from a dead heart. You, we don't need behavior modification. If if, if you've followed Jesus for any amount of time, you know this, that doesn't really work. It may work for a day or two, but then like your humanity kicks in, you know? We need a heart transformation. And Jesus is saying, you need you need to look inward. And what I've noticed is when I look inward, when I begin to speak so negative and gossip and just say things that I know are honoring, I begin to look inward and ask the question to myself, how do I think and how do I feel and how do I talk to myself? We speak 7,000 words a day, but the person you speak to the most is yourself. And so what do you say about yourself? When you look in the mirror in the morning, what do you say about you? This matters. And I've learned in my life, when I'm negative at myself, that's a good indication my heart needs some Jesus. Because it's going to be hard for me to love my neighbor. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself, but if you don't love yourself, it's going to be really hard for you to love your neighbor. It's hard for you to give something that you don't yourself have. You will burn yourself out really quick, and you will begin to speak negativity, you'll begin to tear people down because your heart is not fresh water, it's a salty spring. And so if you, so my question is this, when you you investigate how is your heart doing, ask yourself, is my self-talk, is my self-voice a critic or a coach? Because oftentimes my voice is critical towards myself. Critics, they just sit on the sideline, right? They're just passing judgment. They just see everything wrong and they're calling it out, like Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes movie reviews. Those people don't like any movies that I like. And then I was reminded, Noah told me that Colton hates all my movies too. You are rotten tomatoes in my life. <laughs> Critical, sometimes way, way too much towards ourselves. But are you more like a coach? That's where we need to be. Because coaches, they may see what's wrong, but they have skin in the game. They want what's best for the team. They, 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 speak, they speak into the person. They encourage them out of whatever flaw or problem there is. So are you a critic or a coach to yourself? And if you are honest, and I'll be honest, that oftentimes I'm very critical of myself. And when I answer that question, a lot of times I'm answering a critic. Then I have another question of how to fix that. And it's in who has the microphone in your life? Who have you given the mic to? And what I mean by that is who's the loudest voice in your life? We have so many voices. We have our self voice, we have our friends and our family, we have our followers, we have God, we have the enemy. Whose voice is the loudest? Who have you given the mic to? And if you don't wake up every morning and know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, that you are more than an overcomer, that you are truly able to, then it's time for you to give the mic back to God. How? How do I give the microphone back to God? If you want to be somebody that speaks refreshing words, that comes from a fresh spring in your heart, then you need to plant yourself next to the well that never runs dry. You need to spend time with Jesus. The best thing you could ever do for Jesus is spend time with Him. Likewise, the best thing you could ever do for yourself is spend time with Jesus. You will be surprised how much just spending time, meditating on the Word of God will affect everything including your speech. It will affect how you think about yourself. Spend time with Jesus. There's a guy in the, in the Bible that spent a lot of time with Jesus. His name is John. We all know him as the Disciple John. He wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He's very creative. <laughs> and uh, what I re- when I read those three, three books, what I get from him, the overriding sentiment is love one another. Love your brother. He actually says, love one another or love your brother, 12 out of the 47 verses. Like it's just constantly love, 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 You're loved. you ought to love, love. And I'm like, wow, how do I become like John? because I'm not and I want to be I want to be someone that speaks love and life into people love and life into the future how how do I begin and I begin to pray God how do I become more like John and then I was reminded of his nickname the disciple whom Jesus loved and what's so interesting about this nickname is nobody gave John this nickname John gave himself this nickname the audacity right I started thinking about it Peter could have called himself a disciple whom Jesus loves Matthew could have. Thomas could have called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. But they didn't. John did. I think it was because John understood how much Jesus loves him to such a great length. And he understood that his love is the thing that changes everything. And so he began to just repent, write his name, signature, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And many of us need to do that because we need to be reminded on a daily basis that Jesus loves me. I love those shirts. Don't you know those shirt, the brand that says Jesus loves you? I love it. I often need a shirt that says Jesus loves me because I forget that often. We, we grow up in church, we hear the song, Jesus loves me for this I know, the Bible tells me so. And then we kind of experience life and we experience church and that kind of like, that seems childish. It's a child song. It is the most, it is the fundamental piece to our faith. Jesus loves me, this I know, the whole Bible's about it, it's a story of Jesus loving me. I walked out of of the coffee shop after studying for this message, and I go to my car, the car next to me, there's a bumper sticker, and it says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. And I thought, that's it, we need to be in that place. Jesus loves all of us, but I'm special to him, I'm a disciple whom Jesus loved. It reminds me of a story on a father's day i thought this was really cool there's a story of my one of my favorite pastors louis giglio in atlanta he tells a story about his dad he said every every night me and my couple siblings we'd go to bed in our separate rooms and, and our dad would come to each room and he would hug his child and he'd say i love you more than anyone else you are my favorite child the others could hear him then he goes to the next room He grabs his kid and says, I love you more than anybody. I don't know if, if I've ever told you this, but you are my favorite child. He does the same thing to the third. They all heard it, but they all felt that I'm the apple of my dad's eye. And this morning on Father's Day, I want to remind you that you are the apple of your father's eye, your heavenly father, that if you don't have a great relationship with your dad, you need to be reminded that Our Heavenly Father is not the reflection of your earthly dad, he's the perfection of your earthly dad. He's everything you could ever desire in a father, and he loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you. The ultimate sacrifice, I love you, you are the apple of my eye. And from this place, church, from this place of love and acceptance, we're able to speak love and life into others. And I'm gonna leave you with this, four practical ways we'll speak when we're loved by Jesus. When we're loved by jesus we'll speak words of affection the people in your life just need to know you love them we need to be really easily i love you i love this uh matthew 17 this is the father speaking to jesus twice in the new testament this happens and twice he says the exact same thing which leads me to believe that he said this to jesus every single day A voice from God from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. If Jesus needed to hear affection from the Father, so do I, so do you. So be easily, I love you, be easily with your words of affection. When you're loved by Jesus, secondly, you'll speak words of praise. When you see someone do something great, tell them, my best friends, Jensen and Megan, they lead Ethos Youth and I'm so proud of them and I cannot wait to be a part of Ethos Youth Camp and I I know God's gonna use you in incredible ways. I'm so proud of you. Speak words of praise. I love Proverbs, says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. You know how it feels how good it feels to be praised? To hear those encouragement, encouraging words of praise? So good. When we're loved by Jesus, we'll speak words of encouragement. I love Jordan always says that when we speak encouragement, we're speaking courage into somebody. And someone in your life is going through a tough season. And they need your words to build them up. Get ready. Like a wolf. There you go. We gotta be, we gotta encourage people, we gotta speak into the lives of those that we know are struggling. I love Ephesians 4 29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We gotta be people that speak words of encouragement. And lastly, it's my favorite one, when we're loved by Jesus, remember, that's the prerequisite, loved by Jesus, we'll speak words of faith. I love this. As it is written, I have made, a father of ma- I made you a father of many nations, speaking of Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who, who, who gives life to the dead. And my favorite part calls into being things that were not. So we're not going to be people who just call it like we see it. We're gonna be people that believe that our God is the God that calls and speaks into desolate, barren, broken, void places, life and life abundantly. Come on, we gotta be people that speak life. Because we believe that our God will deliver. We can speak to the things that we hope for that are not yet seen, speak words of faith. When we're loved by Jesus, when we recognize we are the disciple whom Jesus loved, we are the apple of our Father's eye, we will speak life and encouragement into others. We'll use our words to determine our direction, and lastly, we'll remind ourselves who we are in Christ Jesus. Bless the pleasure. church. God, thank you so much for these moments that we share. Thank you for your love, your ultimate sacrifice for us so that we can actually do something about our behavior and the way we act and the way we talk through the transformation that you make in our hearts. We're just so thankful for how much you love us, and I just pray that as we walk into our weeks, we, you just draw yourself close. Remind us in so many ways how loved we are by you. And let that change the way we speak towards others, to ourselves, and into the future. We love you so much, Lord.